0: 6. Romans chapter 6. The beginning of the chapter the Apostle Paul is responding to people who are suggesting that if God has shown us grace we can live as we like. Essentially they're saying we've got a get out of jail free card we can do what we please and god will forgive us anyway and his response is that that is the logic of hell not the logic of heaven and he emphasizes that if they are truly god's people then they have this union with jesus christ they have died with christ to sin and they have risen again to a new life in christ jesus And that from now on they need to think of themselves in a new way. As people who are dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that means that the members of their body, the way that they think and feel and act, their hands and their feet, their their eyes, their ears, every part of them belongs now not to themselves and not to Satan but to God himself. So in verse 15 he picks up the argument... What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Or God forbid strong language. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that form of teaching to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness." For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's seek more help from heaven. Father, grant now a tongue that will speak truth warmly and effectively, ears that will receive that truth readily and eagerly, hearts that will feel your truth tenderly and deeply, that there may be sinners saved, saints encouraged. In the name of Christ, glorified in this place today, hear us, help us, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I like slow-mo videos. Sometimes I watch them on YouTube. There's a variety out there. Sometimes uh, you'll get these high-end cameras And they will zoom in on some particular moment, some particular occasion. And you can see a ball or a balloon or a car or a bullet or a person. And you can zero in and you see the trajectory of the thing in slow motion. Sometimes you can see the trajectory change. Sometimes these things are bouncing off. other objects, or people are bouncing off things, or things are bouncing off people, and you can see close up and personal everything that is happening as the path of some object or person comes up and then bounces off in another direction, and you can see everything that's taking place and everywhere that things are going. You get a window into a moment of life. And everything is in sharp relief. You get close focus if the cameras are set up well. And you can see then where things have changed and the new direction that things are taking. Romans chapter 6 gives us some of those kind of zoom in moments. Those little snapshots of what it means now to belong to Jesus Christ, to be moving in a new direction. It's not so much a snapshot of salvation, seeing the whole thing, but it's a snapshot in salvation. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. You've changed direction. This is the life you now live, and you can see the trajectory in which you are now going. You can trace the direction of Christian living. You can trace the momentum of real godliness in life. And it's vitally important that that change of direction be clear, because the Apostle Paul says that you used to be slaves of sin. And what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed, verse 21, for the end of those things is death? They might have been very active people, physically. They might have been very moral people in the eyes of the world. They might even have been very religious people, But they were fruitless, shameful, and morbid. They were dead while they lived. And there was nothing that glorified God, nothing that pleased the God of heaven, nothing that delighted the living and true Lord of all the earth. And the apostle says then in verse 22 that now... Having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. That's the language of contrast. But now, no longer fruitless, no longer living lives that are shameful, full of things that you you hope others don't find out about and you're happy to keep behind closed doors. No longer a life of spiritual death leading to death. But something has happened to you. It's not that you've done something first and foremost, but that something has been done to you and for you. Yes, you have changed, but because you have been changed there's a a new force that has been exerted and the trajectory of your previous life which was toward death and full of sin and transgression has been radically altered you're now moving in a new direction you're going to a different place and it is the fruit of your relationship with God's son who came into the world to die in the place of sinners Jesus Christ So verse 22 gives us this snapshot in salvation. You can see that there's been a change of direction. You can see that there's a new way of life now and you can see that there is a new destination. It gives you a glimpse of the believer's past life. It gives you a glimpse of the believer's present life representative reality for a christian and it gives you a glimpse of the believer's future life the past is there in two prongs having been set free from sin and having become slaves of god verses 17 and 18 remind us of what that involves you were slaves of sin But you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, the same language, you became slaves of righteousness. Paul knows that everybody who is born into this world is born a slave, a slave to sin, a slave to wickedness, a slave to Satan. He is our master and we are born in chains. We are born in bonds until someone sets us free you cannot see your chains you cannot hear them clanking you do not always see the walls of the prison and the door with its key but everybody who is outside of christ is tied up to sin that's our natural course That's the way that we go. When Satan comes and and bids us do what he wills, we are not in any fit state to prevent him or to go in our own way. The Apostle Paul describes the fruit of this kind of life in Galatians chapter 5 from verse 19. He talks about the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, arguments, jealousies, envy, outbursts of wrath, anger, selfish ambitions, wanting the best only for ourselves, dissensions, arguments, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, wild parties and the like, which I told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul says that that's a characteristic description of the life of ungodliness. He's not saying that only if you can tick off all of those boxes are you really a sinner. He's saying that's the kind of fruit that grows on the tree of the natural heart. And where you are characterized... By some of those kinds of sins, you have no right to think of yourself as a child of God because you are still a slave to wickedness. But, says Paul, you have been set free from that. You've been delivered. Your bonds have been broken. Christ has come. And with one stroke, he has set you free from the pollution of your sin. He has made you clean so that you are no longer vile in the eyes of a holy God. He's set you free from the, if you will, the passion or the pleasure of sin. He's changed your appetites for those things. He's delivered you from the punishment of sin because he's taken the wrath that those sins deserve upon himself. He's broken in you the power of sin so that you are no longer obliged to do what you once did and be who you once were. For the first time in your life you been able to say a real no to iniquity you're not yet free entirely from the presence of sin you still live in a sinful world and you still have to fight the sin that remains in you but you're no longer bound you've been set free no longer walking in darkness and god in christ did that for you You have been set free, not you freed yourself, not you struck the mighty blow, but Christ Himself has delivered you from your bondage to sin. And you have become slaves of God. Now, the similar language in verse 18, parallel language, you were slaves of sin, but you have been set free from sin and you become slaves of righteousness. What does Paul mean by that language? He means that the gospel's got a grip on you. He talks about you being delivered to the form of gospel doctrine, to the form of teaching, that the gospel was preached to you, that you heard about your desperate need, but you also heard about how God meets that need. You heard about your sinfulness, but you also heard about Christ's righteousness. You learned about your helplessness, but you heard of the helper who was able to deliver you. You discovered by bitter experience your own hopelessness, but you failed. in Christ, hope for this new life. And that truth gripped you. God was at work by his spirit. He convinced you of your sin and of your misery. He persuaded you of your need. He opened your eyes to understand that there was life and joy and peace only in Christ Jesus. And by his grace and mercy, he moved you to Christ. The good news of a saviour who saves sinners like us had its right impact upon your soul. Someone set you free and someone brought you in. Someone brought you near to God and you now live a life of new conviction. I love him who loved me and gave himself for me. I have a new disposition. I want to go in a different way, and I have new action. My tongue has been changed. My ears have been changed. My eyes have been changed. My soul has been changed. My feet, my every part of my humanity is now characterized by this new relationship. I am a slave of God. I willingly serve him who has given himself for me. In the Old Testament, there was a, a, an image of something like this, that when someone had served a good master and wanted to go on serving them and know the blessing of being in that relationship, they would go to the doorpost of the master's house, they would put their ear up against the doorpost, and they would take an awl, A-W-L, a little sharp spike, a bit like a nail with a handle, and they would push the awl through their earlobe to the doorpost. It was a symbolic way of saying this is where I belong. This is the house where I live. This is the rule that I acknowledge. This is the care that I enjoy. This is the place where I long to be. This is happiness. This is joy. This is peace. This is security. And that personal relationship then is demonstrated by a life of righteousness, obedience to the head of the household, the father, God himself. We love his law and we walk in his ways. It's a life of true, cheerful, willing and ready devotion. Paul says, zooming in, your trajectory has changed. You used to be going that way. It's not you've just bounced off at 90 degrees. You've bounced off entirely in the other direction. You were traveling toward hell, and now you are moving away. Everybody in this room has a master. We're all mastered men and women. We all serve someone or something. Fundamentally, everybody here is serving Satan or God and nothing and no one in between. The trajectory of your life, the way that you think and feel and act, reveals either a man, a woman, a boy or a girl who is a slave to sin, cannot break free, or who has been freed and now serves God. It's sin or it's righteousness from the soul out. And God's people are those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Christ has paid a price to set us free from the law of sin and death and to liberate us for the service and honour of our God. We belong to him, not our own, bought with a price. Have you felt the grip of the gospel on your soul? Not just do you sometimes go to church, not just do you enjoy singing a few hymns, Not just do you think yourself a bit religious, but have you felt the impact of the truth of Christ coming into the world for sinners like us in your soul? Have you realised your sinfulness? Have you come face to face with your transgressions? Have you perhaps tried and failed to break free? I don't want to be this man. I don't want to be this woman. I don't want to be like this anymore. But it doesn't matter how hard I try or what I do. I cannot break loose. It's got a grip on me. I need somebody stronger. I need someone who loves me enough to set me free to serve the God who lives. That one is Christ who suffers and dies in the place of sinners to break the power of cancelled sin. You have been set free from sin, says Paul to these Christians. You have become slaves of God. That's the change in direction. But now, where are you going? You have your fruit to holiness. What does life look like now for someone who has become a Christian? Having left sin behind, being now devoted to God, the believers present, you have your fruit to holiness. There are always real consequences of freedom from sin. There are always real consequences of devotion to God. Remember, before you were fruitless. What fruit did you then have in the things of which you are now ashamed? What good did your life really produce? What which was beautiful to God and pleasing in his sight? Nothing. It was a life of shame. It was a life of death. But now it's a life of life. Now there is fruit. Now there is that which is pleasing to God. Remember that our Lord Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 7 said, you will know someone by their fruits, for better or for worse. We're usually pretty good at playing the game in front of people. We're like a Christmas tree, dead but hanging up the bauble so that people think we sparkle. But behind closed doors, in the secret place, with your husband, your wife, your family, your friends, at work, in your business decisions, in the appetites of your heart, with what you sit down to in front of a computer, what you see on the television? That's where the proof is seen. That's where the evidence of life comes. Not just in how we perform before men, but in what we really are before God. And the fruit will be evident. Again, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Galatians, doesn't just talk about the the fruit of the flesh, the works of the flesh. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering, patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness. It's self-control. You take a snapshot of the new life of a believer and it's moving Godward. It's producing real fruit. You cannot be alive in Christ without the life of Christ. But if you have the life of Christ, you're going to live a Christian life. It follows naturally. Holy living is the evidence of a new life, growing in grace, a whole new pattern. Yes, battles along the way. Yes, it's not easy. You're used to flying in this direction. Now you're moving in that direction. But the force that is in you, the power of God by his Holy Spirit, that third person of the Godhead who has taken up residence in your heart, he is bearing fruit unto God in you. And though you may be battered from the other direction, though you may feel sometimes the pull of old habits and expectations, yet your face is set in a different direction. And now you are bearing fruit to holiness. In some people, that's absolutely radical. It seems so obvious. It should be obvious in everybody who's really converted. Your friend should be saying, that's a new person there. Your husband will be saying, I do not know what's happened to my wife. I think I like it, but I'm not sure always. Wives will be saying, this is a new man. I don't know quite who he is. Parents will be saying, something's changed with little Johnny. That, that lad is not the same lad. My daughter's a different person. The, the, the patience, the, the kindness, the, the willingness, not perfectly. Children saying, my dad's become kind. My mum's learning to be patient, gentle, generous. At work. He's being honest. He's keeping to time. He's not stealing out of the stationery cupboard any longer. He's not taking those two-hour lunches when he's only being paid to take a one-hour lunch. His figures actually add up. His tax returns are correct. This is somebody who's living a new life. This is the fruit of holiness. You now He goes to church every Sunday twice and he prays and he listens and he serves and he gives and he loves and he's no longer drunk and he's no longer swearing and he's no longer cursing he's a different person she's a different woman what has happened they've been freed from sin They belong to God. They're his slaves, his servants, his people, his devoted ones. You see, conversion isn't the end. Conversion is the beginning. Some people think of it, and perhaps especially in some contexts where there's some kind of spectacular demonstration, where you walked the aisle, or you prayed the prayer, or you made the testimony, or you had the baptism, or whatever it may be. Oh, now we're all right. Now we can do what we like. Now we can just get on with life. We've done the religious bit. The Apostle Paul says, no, that's the devil's logic. That's hellish thought. I am Christ's, and now I live for him. I am God's, and my desire now is to do what pleases him. When someone is converted, it's a new beginning. It's a whole new direction. When someone gets baptised, it's not a blip along the way. It's a step along the path of righteousness. It's the obedience of a saved soul that says, I now need to testify that I'm dead to the world, dead to sin, dead to my old master and alive to God in Jesus Christ. And from this moment on, I will live for him, not for myself, not for others, not for the world, not for the flesh, not for the devil, but for him who loved me and gave himself for me. You say you're a Christian. How will you show it? You say you're a Christian. How will we know it? When these two young men tell us that they are now following Jesus Christ, the church hears and going to put its hands in its pockets and go, well, that'd be nice, hope so. They'll be saying, where is the evidence? Not give me your bank balance and show me your browsing history and I want to see your school reports and I'm going to have to have a word with your mum. I've done some of that. <laughs> but where's the proof? As you live in the church... As you live in your home, as you go on in school, in terms of the questions that you ask and the concerns that you have and the work that you do and the approach that you take and your commitment to the church and your delight in its worship, where's the fruit of holiness? That's how we know, and that's how you show. You will know them by their fruits. So you can see the change in direction the believer's past. Set free from sin. And have become slaves of God. You see that zooming in on the moment of a believer's life in the new trajectory. Ah, now there's fruit to holiness. Now there's the evidence of someone who is following Jesus Christ. And then if you just step back a little bit you can see where the trajectory takes you. The new direction has a definite destination. The believer's future. The end? Everlasting life. We've been told before that sin issues in death. Verse 21. The end of those things, the end of sin, shameful living, the end of those things is death. But righteousness is the path of life and the path to life. You see, if you have life in Christ now, you are looking forward to life with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. You're anticipating being with him whom your soul loves. The writer to the Hebrews emphasises the connection between your present and your future. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. If you think you're going to heaven but there's no holiness, you are not going where you think you are. You may be fooling yourself, you may be fooling other people, but without holiness... No expectation of heaven. Without a changed life and a new direction of obedience to God, there is no expectation of the glory to come. But for those who have been set free from their sin, for those who have been made slaves of God, for those who now belong to him and have their fruit to holiness, there's something even more wonderful to come. Because this new direction is going to arrive at a final destination. We're going to be where Christ is Perhaps we will die before Christ returns. Well, our souls will rest, uh, our bodies will rest in their graves and our souls will go to be with Christ, which is far better. And we will begin to begin to enjoy those glories that lie ahead. And then the end, the end of the end, when Christ Jesus himself returns in his glory and the dead rise again. The righteous to this life. See, the life is in us now because we are in Christ And that life is going to blossom and bloom. It's January the 8th. I saw the first green buds this morning when I was going to get my car to drive to church. They're tiny, wee things. But there's life in those sticks. What do I anticipate? That as the sun shines and as the earth warms and as the rain falls, that life will become more and more evident. And then, at some point, the flowers will bloom. That's the pattern of a Christian's life. The green shoots of true, vital godliness. And they're growing more and more. You have your fruit to holiness. And before long, brothers and sisters, the life is going to explode. The glory of full blossom and bloom in the presence of God forever and forever. Sin will pay you dark wages. The wages of sin is death, but life, that is a bright gift. Christ sets you free. Christ brings you to God. Christ, by his spirit in your soul, leading you in a new direction, equipping and enabling you. And Christ helping you, blessing you, interceding for you and waiting for you at the end of your pilgrim road. Christian, you can look forward to a bright end, to a life of persecutions and tribulations, strivings and sufferings and sorrows now, yes, an ongoing battle against sin that remains in you, against the temptations of the world and the flesh and of the devil, difficulties in common with every creature in a fallen world and the particular challenges of honouring Christ in this generation. But there's something better to come. And when you have lived that life, and when you have served that God here, you shall be with him there, and you shall enjoy life in His presence for forevermore. See this everlasting life. This isn't just life that doesn't end. If I offered you that now, would anybody here really take it? Freeze frame. That's you. Forever, forever, please God, no. Not like this. Not here, not now. But when the end comes, and when glory dawns, that, oh God, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm longing for. And the life that I am living now is a life that by God's grace points me, pulls me, draws me, holds me in that direction. Now, I want to know, does that describe you this morning? Can you say this of yourself? I have been set free from sin. I'm a slave of God. I have my fruit to righteous to holiness. And I'm looking forward to the end, everlasting life. I'm asking, have you really heard the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ? Not just have you been in a place where someone's told you about it, but as it hit your ears and reached your heart and gripped your soul so that you have been, to use the apostles' language, you have been, you have obeyed from the heart that form of teaching to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you've become a slave of righteousness. Do you have that life? Are there at least green shoots? You may not have bloomed and blossomed yet. That's perfection to come. But the fruit is there. The green life is there. It's no longer barren and dark, cold, lifeless, shameful, morbid. There is life in and from Christ in your life. You've left sin behind. You're devoted to God. You're walking in holiness. And you're looking to glory. My friends, that's all or nothing. There's no half measures. There's not a person here this morning who is saying, Well, I haven't decided yet. We're all mastered and we're all moving. We're either moving in step with sin, walking in the direction of hell, under the dominion of the evil one, or we've heard the truth God has worked in our souls. We've turned from darkness to light, from death to life, and we're walking in Christ and we're heading heavenwards. There are no half measures. It's the whole package, one way or the other. And if you've got God's whole package, if you've got freedom from sin, devotion to God, growing holiness of life and the expectation of glory to come, what blessing you have. What joy, what peace, what happiness belong to us? Trials, tribulations, persecutions, sorrows, strivings here, we recognise those. But this isn't where we belong. And this isn't where we will stay. We're heading home. We're heading heavenwards. Graced and sustained. Redeemed from our sins. Made alive with Jesus Christ. And if you are here saying, that is not me, that's not my joy, that's not my peace. Perhaps other people will think differently of you, but you know in your heart that the gospel has never reached you, it's never touched you. And that there are those hidden chambers of your life where sin clearly reigns. Well, perhaps you are just living your own way and you are doing what you please and there's almost that, that arrogant and aggressive, no one tells me what to do. Yes, they do. Yeah, you're a slave of sin. If you think you're free, you're a slave of sin. Only when you're free to serve God are you truly liberated. What do you need? You need this Jesus. You need this deliverance. You need this ransoming. You need someone who is stronger, not just than you, but than the person who has you trapped. You need someone who is able to set you free, make you clean, wash you through and through, liberate you, bring you to God, clothe you in his righteousness, uphold you, sustain you, keep you, bless you, and gather you to himself when the end comes. You need Jesus Christ. Every Christian can say, in essence, very simply, I am his. He is mine. I've been set free. I belong to God. I'm walking in holiness. I'm heading to heaven. And you may have the same Christ. You may know the same joy. You may grasp the same godliness. You may have the same holiness. And you may go to the same glorious place if you will trust in him today. Amen.